mother tell me how it was when you were young Was the world so very old when your life had just begun Oh, grandfather, tell me, is it true you worked the land And the two... This is Jerome Ossentowski, and welcome to the Living Permaculture Show. We have a great show for you today. We have Travis in, in the studio, and we have Corrine on the phone. We're, we're going to be talking about a program that we're going to be doing at Travis's five-acre parcel up Cattle Creek, and um, it's a charrette, a design charrette, and I'll have Corrine talk about that. But Travis, why don't you talk a little bit about the property that you've just moved into about six months ago, and um, tell us a little bit about what's on the property and uh, some other things that you've had ideas about what you'd want to do. Yeah, totally, man. Um, we have a five acre farm out on Cattle Creek and it came equipped with five greenhouses. It was previously a flower farm and my wife and I converted it into what it's going to be. Right now it's a blank canvas. So grateful that Jerome and Kareen are going to be facilitating a workshop and we're going to incorporate permaculture and biodynamic practices and rejuvenate the soil and, uh, provide fruits and vegetables to ourselves and also our community here in the Roaring Fork Valley. And I went out there to do a site visit, and I I was really intrigued by the the property. It's very idyllic. Yeah. Uh, you're so lucky to have that piece of property and also yeah. to inherit all those greenhouses that you can actually design into some food production rather than flowers. And I thought, well, Corrine and I have done uh, one of these uh, design charrettes in Montana, for a client of ours, and it worked out really well. Yeah. And I thought, well, let's see if we can get Kareen here, and we'll get a sort of a group mind going with about a dozen people and uh, get the juices flowing and get some ideas out there for you to, um, to design your property and do some observations. And before you step in and start doing some, you know, infrastructure, let's, let's – uh, get some time on the ground to think about it. And uh, at that point, I'll let Corrine uh, come in and talk a little bit about the process. And uh, welcome, Corrine. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Jerome. And um, I'm so uh, excited to work with both Travis and Molly on their land. So, yeah, like um, Jerome said, a design charrette is basically a collaborative process that allows for diversity perspectives. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to take students through um, some content related to permaculture, related to design methods, and then we're going to divide them up into teams, and they are going to come up with different concept plans and different site plans for that particular site. And what it allows um, students to do is kind of feel empowered themselves to be able to participate in a design process either on their own land or for someone else. And then it has that added bonus of giving Molly and Travis, you know, a ton of different ideas of how to design their site. So it's both great insofar as bringing people together around the whole concept of trying to um, design a site in a, a in a in a collaborative way, um, but then gives just, you know, multiple minds are better than just one in terms of design ideas. Tell us a little bit about it. There's, is Cattle Creek running right through the property or is... Yeah, Cattle Creek runs right through our property. Yes. And, and we, it, and we it, have senior water rights, so we have a over 100-year-old irrigation ditch that we pull all of our water from. 
And there, there are nice little meadows on both sides of the creek, and yep. it's kind of gently sloping down into the creek. And then up on the bank, you have all of the greenhouses. So mm-hmm. it couldn't be, a, you know, physically, it's really set up to be uh, just an idyllic uh, home site plus yeah. a, uh, a production, uh, small production farm. Yeah, it's perfect. And we're, we, we face uh, southern facing perfectly, so we get a lot of sunlight all day. Even in the wintertime, our greenhouses are 85, 90 degrees during the day. And you inherited also, you inherited a big pile of horse manure and shavings, and now oh, yeah. you're converting that into some organic ma- compost that you can be using in your greenhouses and your gardens. And uh, and then if we, you know, we get together a dozen people, I know that in Montana, we we were able to bring in some pretty high-powered you know, mines. We had professionals in the, in the NRCS, we had engineers, we had teachers we had gardeners landscape architects uh so it everyone was able to come in and get some experience plus give you some ideas yeah. of what what's possible yeah it's an incredible opportunity just to have like green was saying just a different perspective from all kinds of different folks and uh yeah super grateful to and i think that uh you know with our with COVID here and uh, it seems to be now a run on the supermarkets, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not in this mm-hmm. county yet, but I, I've seen it on the uh, Internet that, that uh, the shelves are getting empty. So we, we got some work cut out for us. Yeah. To, uh, so you want to take it from there, Corinne? Yeah, I think, I mean, like we've seen just with the global food crisis and um, the pandemic, I think there's just a growing interest in uh, increasing local food systems, enhancing them and elevating them. So I just see this as one other piece of the puzzle. The more people we can skill up, not only in being able to design their properties, but then um, the kind of more hands-on stuff of being able to grow their food uh, in an ecological way, um, the better off we're going to all be as as communities. So I think um, being able to do that while at the same time you know, obviously the students are going to have an opportunity to see that property, to walk it, to see the systems that Molly and Travis have already put uh, together on the site. And then, of course, to learn from you, Jerome, and your, you know, years of experience in terms of soil building and food growing. So it's a really great opportunity. Yeah, well, learn, you, learning you, from the master. You also have <laughs> a, a very uh, nice uh, edible landscaping on your suburban lot there, and you've been teaching permaculture classes, uh, and uh, so you're going to bring a lot of organizational um, uh, skills to the, to the, to the table. Uh, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about what the, the process is. You're going to be doing a few Zoom uh, sessions before uh, the actual one-and-a-half-day charrettes. Can you tell, walk us through that process? Yeah, so what we'll have people do is, is students who are interested, they, they can sign up, and then there will be like a week before the actual design charrette, which is going to be a day and a half. We'll have two one-and-a-half-hour virtual sessions that, that kind of deliver more basic theory and content um, around permaculture principles and design methods and, then, and also social system design. And then while we're on site, the students will actually be able to do the observations. Um, We're going to go through kind of a site analysis in in design teams. They're going to brainstorm design ideas and actually present 
to the rest of the group what they've come up with. Uh, so we'll have just some theory beforehand and some reading material for students to, to digest before the actual in-person uh, charrette. Great. And, you know, um, architects and landscape architect companies use this method a lot. I mean, uh, there's, a, there's a pretty famous architectural firm in Aspen called the Design Workshop. They actually take the name, and, 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 uh, that's, and I've actually been hired by them several times. Michael and I have been hired by them. I think they hired me to do the golf course at the Roaring Fork, the Roaring Fork Golf Course. Uh, that was about 10 years, 10, 15 years ago, and I uh, worked on other projects with Design Workshop. But uh, that, that, that is, uh, you know, it's a very, uh, it's a bit like a barn raising uh, that the Amish would be doing, but instead of we're raising a barn, we're, we're coming together with uh, ideas and then uh, making sure that when we get ready to raise the barn, it's, uh, it's going to stay and it's going to be uh, resilient and uh, diversified, uh, all that, and and at least we'll have some ideas on the on the instead Absolutely. of running off into some some tangent right away and uh, spending some money that you don't really need to spend. Corinne, go ahead. Yeah, and I think yeah, and I think that's that's ultimately the the whole goal of a design process, right? Knowing that. Maybe the site plan um, that we come up with at the end of the weekend isn't necessarily going to be what Molly and Travis, you know, the end result that they're going to have, you know, five years from now. But I think that journey of taking people through what are your goals and having some sort of sideboards and guidelines to get people started is super important. Um, the design process is always a dynamic one, and every year you accept feedback from your site and change things accordingly. But I think oftentimes when people come to um, designing a property, they don't know where to start. So this type of um, experience gives them the tools and empowers them to be able to do it themselves, which is you know, ultimately what permaculture is about, right? We want to empower people to be able to grow their own food, design their own spaces, and, um, you know, not be as dependent on the kind of fossil fuel industrial ag system um, that we've, we've built um, in this society. So um, it's all good. You know, it's, uh, it's also very timely because uh, uh, with the, the labor shortage we have now and uh, mm -hmm. inflation, uh, you know, you can't find anybody to do anything. That's you, why I brought in my dad. Or you can't. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's nice. You have a, yeah. you have a, a nice family going there, and you have your dad coming and you're living on site, mm -hmm. and he can help you. And uh, that that's just and then we're bring, you're bringing in your community, but you're also expanding it to the the larger community, mm -hmm. which uh, you know then you can build and uh, we can do some. Some uh, work days out there with the uh, people that you network with uh, during this charrette, and they can come out and help you do some uh, some other projects. That, uh, and then you can help them with other projects, and maybe we could do this charrette on some other property. Yep. So uh, I think it uh, builds itself and lends itself to, um, you know, doing something very interesting. And I know that uh, when Karina and I did this in Montana, uh, Joe Clark, uh, he has a website, uh, a YouTube channel called How to Farm and Garden, and he videotaped the entire two days, and he made a real nice two or three hour video, so you could go online to to see that, or you could uh, we'll send you a link to that video, so you can actually see one of the 
charrettes that we've done, and it was very successful, and the client, uh, Cindy Hellstrom, was very happy with it. She was also very much involved in, so it was Cindy, myself, and Corrine who were put this together with a bunch of other facilitators that chimed in. Uh, and we did two 20-acre parcels. Wow. And uh, I think it was a very big help for her to get her head around where she wanted to go with with her design. And uh, and it's all videotaped. So that's, um, and and so, I think also, go ahead. sorry, Jerome, like you said, that whole community building piece is, is fundamental. So it's not only about um, imparting people with some knowledge around the design process and gr- food growing, but it is also about creating community and making connections, um, giving people the ability to, to, to connect with one another and share ideas and skills. You know, that's the, the larger work of permaculture is that culture building um, that and that community building that, especially during the pandemic, we've recognized um, the importance of that and how important it is to get us through this transition um, is to be around other people and to to be um, supported by other people. Great. So if you want to sign up, you can um, call us at 970-456-3480 or email us at jerome at crmpi.org. We also have uh, another workshop coming up down in Puerto Rico with uh, Stephanie Sison, that's going to be about a month from now. And if you want information about that, you can go on our website. And there's a page on the Puerto Rican permaculture design course. So, And then we have our programs for next year uh, ongoing. And you can see all of those on uh, on our website. And and uh, we're getting through the winter. We're getting through the winter shoveling snow and uh, doing infrastructure uh, improvements up at our place. Um, it's going pretty well up there. And just to let your listeners know, too, that we're aiming for this charrette to happen in March. We don't yet have the, the date secure on the calendar, but it will happen in March. So if people are interested in participating in it, just get in touch with Jerome, uh, and we'll be sure to send you more information. Yes, and uh, we don't have the, the, the price uh, on, on the workshop yet, but we'll have all of that figured out in the next uh, you know few weeks or so. Great. Uh, anything else that you'd like to say, Travis? Or? I'll just thank you to yourself and to Kareen for, like I said, facilitating a really cool course on our property and bringing in like-minded folks to collaborate and do something that uh, is not being done enough. And like Kareen was saying, there is such a shortage of produce, vegetables, and definitely positive attitudes. So um, we are going to have all those things. So we'll... Uh We'll wrap this up, and we'll uh, looking forward to having people uh, chime in and uh, join us uh, during that March weekend. Have a good one. My grandson, remember in the days that are to come, one thing I will tell you before my life on earth is done. Don't let time be only money. Don't let machines be. Part of the design process uh, would be helped along with the um, the three ethics of permaculture and the um, 12 principles. And uh, the ethics are care of the land, care of the people, and sharing the surplus. That's, those are kind of givens. And then some of the principles, um, I like to um, 
use some of my greenhouse operating systems uh, to um, explain how they are implemented here at at Crimpy. So we have uh, one of the principles is multiple elements for a single function. So I'll give you an example here at Crimpy. We we have to heat our greenhouses, and we also design greenhouses that are energy efficient. So we have lots of different things, uh, elements that combined will keep the greenhouse above 40 or 50 or whatever you design it want to do. And then I can, so the first thing would be orientation. Then the second would be minimum glazing and a good insulation on the, the west and the north wall and some of the east. And and then you go to thermal mass, which is a, some of the old ways of collecting heat in a greenhouse. It's just direct sun on different surfaces, like it could be water tanks, it could be stone walls or gabion walls or flagstone patios. All of those will um, take on heat and then let them out at night. And then, then we have the climate battery, which actually uh, takes the extra heat during the day and pumps it into the soil profile, which is a, um, a battery of sorts and stores. And then we can bring that heat back out of there at night. So if it gets down to, you know, 10, 10 above, I don't have to do anything with the greenhouse. It just functions without any other mechanical things except for the climate pattern. And then if it gets a few degrees colder, I might turn on the pellet stove. So that's another element that's automated and that'll keep the greenhouse warm and that heats the, the gabion wall. So it's not just heating the air, it's heating a wall that's heating the air later. So then if it gets really cold, say around zero, then it's time to do a sauna. And so I, I crank up the big wood burning sauna that's next to the greenhouse, attached to the greenhouse, and I heat up the walls 130 degrees and I take a sauna and then I open the doors and that'll heat the greenhouse. We have this resilience in, in our design, and that's kind of what we like to teach. And so it's not just one thing, a propane heater. We don't use very much philosophy. It's just a, a little bit of pellets. And and um, so that's that's one of the principles. And, and then you can reverse that, and you have multiple functions for a single element. And, that's a, and a good example of that would be uh, our pathways in our tropical food forest greenhouse Forest Garden Greenhouse. Um, I document that in my book, Chelsea, uh, from Chelsea Green. And in the pathways, we grow worms. Uh, most pathways in greenhouses are just flagstone or gravel or concrete or pavers. But instead of doing that and having compaction, um, we actually do worm farming in our pathways. So we have to open up a large area so that we can get in there and harvest the trees and fruit and herbs and stuff so we make a pathway dig down about a foot and a half and then fill that with organic matter and worms and then we put a custom cut pallet down on that and put some plywood so we're actually walking on a bridge over the worm farm and every three months we can harvest uh, about 250 gallons of worm castings again we're getting functions from your pathway you're growing worms, you're um, not compacting the soil, you're, all the extra nutrients from that worm farm are leaching back out into the food forest. And just by having a pathway there, you're creating edge. So there's a lot more light coming in there. And so you get three different aspects where light can come in, 
ripen the fruit, keep the fruit from stressing out. So that that's another function you're getting there. So in, if you're looking at gain of functions, we probably have seven seven functions or so in, in the pathways. So that that's another kind of a guiding principle. And then uh, another one is using biological resources, and, uh, whether that means whatever you're like feeding your animals. If you can grow all your own food without importing grain for animals, or if you select an animal that doesn't need grain, a grass feed, and some, any, anything that can eat grass or, or weeds or branches. Um, uh, rabbits are a good example. So they, they can generally eat the spent grain from the brewery. They can grow, eat all the prunings from the, the fruit trees in the spring, all the grapevines, uh, weeds, comfrey, thistles, uh, leaves in the fall. It becomes a part of their staple diet. And we do have some uh, really good hay from sustainable settings that we can feed them when we do um, run out or don't have a, a good supply. I also cut a lot of really, a lot of green stuff from the greenhouse. When I don't have anything outside, um, I can cut all kinds of vines and comfrey and uh, prunings and uh, pull up nasturtiums and things that are starting to maybe get a few aphids on them and just go and feed them to the rabbits. So it, by doing that, you can create um, uh, a lot of uh, rabbit meat and a lot of manure. So uh, their manure accumulates and uh, we clean that out and then we put that in the worm farm. So there's this organic cycle that seems to never end in in permaculture systems if they're designed correctly. And there's not just one yield. So I think that's really important that you, which you're always looking for multiple yields and multiple ways to do any particular task so you have redundancy and resilience built into the system. Again, if we have 150 varieties of fruit and herbs and vegetables growing in a perennial food forest, indoors and outdoors, there's always something to eat. There's always something to feed the animals. So you never really run out of um, produce in that year-round and then in the, in the outdoor growing season, you have a very long season because most of the crops are perennial and they go to be planted um, from year to year. Like leverage comes up up through the snow. You start cutting it, eating it. Earlier on, you can sell it really early before anybody else has anything to sell. It can be used in soups and salads and sauces. And and it's a very, very nutrient-rich uh pungent uh, celery substitute, I would say. Um, and that goes on for spring garlic. Um, the comfrey we cut for multiple uses for medicine, to make salve, to feed our animals, to make comfrey tea from mulching. So all of these things um, keep on giving in a perennial system. So I think um, that really what you want to do when you're designing, you know, for catastrophe or for any kind of uh, 
you know, anything that come could come down the road here. We, we, you know, we have a lots of resilience, and we have also we have a lot of water, and we have you know, letting letting gravity um, um, be your um, <clears throat> your source of energy that moves the water around. That's very handy. Um, and then you um, you can build defensible spaces, protect for catastrophe. If you can do green belts around your house, you can keep um, those planted with um, fire retarded plants like the Jerusalem artichoke and sunflower and Russian olive. So it gives you a buffer, and then you keep that wet, and uh, you'll have a better chance of detecting your structures that way. So. Um, and you're limbing up all the dead wood on your trees and getting that out. So those are just common sense things that we can do um, right now as far as design. And we'll be talking about a lot of those things during the charrette and how we're going to give you some of the tools to look at a piece of property, look at Travis's and Molly's property and bounce some of these ideas around. And then you can take some of those um, ideas and, Go back to your own property and and uh, try to build a better system. Was the world so very old when your life had just begun? Oh, grandfather, tell me, is it true you worked the land and the tools that you used you made with your own hands before time was over? Oh, this is all, and we'll see you next time for uh, Living Permaculture Show. Before all the streets were paved The grandson, I'll tell you truly How it was when I was young The world was full of wonder In my first days under the sun